Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by BlackRock Health, providing patients with world-class clinical care and comfort, enabling swifter recoveries. But first this morning, Anne Napolitano is a writer who toiled in obscurity for a number of years as her novels went unpublished and agents turned her down before she eventually found recognition with Dear Edward, which tells the story of a boy who's the sole survivor of a plane crash. Well, an international bestseller, her follow-up novel, Hello Beautiful, is one of the most anticipated books for 2023. And Anne joins me now. Good morning, Anne Napolitano. Good morning. Thanks so much nice for, to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, listen, I've been reading the reviews. Your critics, they are raving about the book, aren't they? It's also <laughs> been selected, I gather, as Oprah Winfrey's 100th pick. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. I am one very grateful author. Tell me about the Oprah Winfrey, because that obviously makes a huge difference, doesn't it, Anne, when, you're, when you've got a new book out. Tell me about this incredibly influential book club she has. Yes, it's like being struck by like the best kind of lightning. Um, it's something that I never even, it never even occurred to me to dream that I would be an Oprah book club pick because it seems so far-fetched and impossible that, you know, that one of my books would even come into her hands, much less that she would read it and love it. And I, I mean, I just feel incredibly lucky. She called me out of the blue um, five months before my book came out and my cell phone rang and this voice said, hi, Anne, it's Oprah Winfrey. And I almost had a heart attack. I mean, initially, I didn't even believe it. I thought it was like one of those robocalls where like a, an advertisement has called you that sounds like Oprah Winfrey, but it actually was her. And it's, yeah, it's an amazing platform. She has done just extraordinary service to put books into readers' hands over the last 25 years. Uh, more than that, actually, I think it's 30 years um, to democratize reading to fall in love with books herself and then sort of force the people that love her to fall in love with them too. And I couldn't be more lucky that she fell in love with Hello Beautiful. It's it's really very unbelievable though. It's it's an ongoing surreal experience to me that Oprah loves my book. Tell me the moment when she rang you. What were you doing and did you believe it was her? And what did she say? No, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it at all. I was taking out the garbage in my apartment building and I was standing next to the mailboxes and my phone rang and it said Chicago on it. And my book is set in Chicago. And my uncle, I have an uncle who lives in Chicago. And I thought it would perhaps was him calling me. So I answered, even though I didn't know the number. And this voice said, hi, Anne, it's Oprah Winfrey. Um, I loved your book. Hello, beautiful. And it felt like a full body adrenaline <laughs> shock took over my whole body. And and from then on, I, like there, then she wanted to have an in-depth like conversation about like my process and the characters in the book and the themes. And I just kept I stood there and just tried to sound intelligent. Meanwhile, <laughs> thinking, oh, my God, this is, is so mean that she calls you out of the blue and then expects you to have an intelligent conversation with her. But I did the best that I could. Um, it's probably is the most that phone call was probably the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me in my life because I used to watch Oprah when she had her daily television show mm. and it was on at 4 p.m. every day and I would come home after school and watch Oprah. So it was like having my television call me from when I was 14 years old. Really hard to wrap your head around. And you can guarantee you almost can't it's success with your novel. Did she say she'd only read 10 pages when she knew she was going to choose it for her book club. 
Yes, she did. But she, I mean, to her, she said she always knows by 50 pages when she reads a book, whether it's going to be, whether she's going to choose it or not. And she said for Hello Beautiful that she knew within 10 pages, which is crazy to me and amazing. Amazing. Now, your novel, it has debuted on the New York Times bestseller list at number two. So give my listeners, will you, Anne, a brief description of the book. You, I think you say it's inspired by Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. Yes, I. Um, it's an homage to Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. Um, at the centre of, of Hello Beautiful is our four sisters, the four Padovano sisters, uh, Julia, Sylvie, Emmeline and Cecilia. And they are this incredibly close, strong-willed group of young women who love each other so deeply and are so deeply connected. And a young man named William Waters uh, starts dating one of the sisters, Julia. And he comes from a very different home, a home that had tragedy in it. And for that reason, he was unloved throughout his childhood. So he enters the Padovano family, which is overflowing with love, but all the complexities and flaws that come with that and the collision between William and these four sisters changes the course of all of their lives over the next 30 years. And um, the sisters, they're not just sisters. They're also best friends. I mean, did you base these characters on anyone in your life or are they totally fictitious? No, my best friend growing up, Leah, I used to sleep at her house as often as I slept in my own house. And her mother has five sisters and they all have slightly different versions of the same face. And they would come in and out of the house at all hours. And they seemed more themselves when they were together than they did when they were apart. And I was completely fascinated by them. I watched them like they were a television show right in front of me. And when I started to write this book, it's there's some little women, the, the, the strength and vitality of the March sisters. But also I wanted to write my way into understanding this sort of magical deep connection between my friend Leah's aunts as well that special kind of sisterhood that sort of transcends just being a sibling, but is you're so much more to each other. Yeah, and your book chronicles brilliantly, I suppose, the multitudes of love and hurt that all families contain. Does that family dynamic, I suppose, that power to damage as well as to love and heal, does that particularly interest you? Yes, I think that there's two, two sides to every coin with intense love, loss is always wed into that because you can and 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 in many cases will lose that person so you're giving them your whole heart and you're putting yourself at this enormous risk but the beauty of giving someone your whole heart gives you more than the loss takes from you so to me it's fascinating to to follow what that really means to connect with each other what that really means to commit to each other and love each other because often that we're walking right into a broken heart and if we pull back and look at a full, rich, wholly lived life, there's beauty and pain and joy and sadness. And to step away from any of that or to turn away from any of that is to, to dismiss, you know, the potential of our own lives. So I think it's all beautiful, but it's, it's not all easy or pretty. And I'm fascinated to see what the true emotional beats are for these characters in loving each other. And your mom, I know, I think she comes from a large Irish Catholic family. I mean, did you draw on some of your own personal experience when you were writing the book? Yes, my mother has five brothers and sisters. So the large sibling dynamic, I had 
seen on, you know, in numerous ways, including through my mother's family, and also how difficult it is for families to communicate with each other. That's definitely present in my mother's family. And the sort of the hierarchy of like the parents laying down the law or not laying down the law and whether the children choose to accept those rules or find a window and climb out of it, you know, after curfew, all of that is really interesting to me. Um, the family dynamic where there's so much love and there's so much, so many expectations is just a, an inherently tricky one. Um, and our roots, like our family roots and how we're connected to the people in our family go so deep that we're carrying them, we're dragging them along with us, you know, all the way to the end of our lives, where you hear people that are 85 year olds talking about their mother who's been gone for 50 years. Like mm. we carry each other with with ourselves for the course of our lives, because we we came up together. And that's really interesting to me as a writer. Absolutely. How long did it take you to write, actually, Because I know you were busy raising two boys trapped in your home during the pandemic, like everyone. So <laughs> did you set aside a certain time each day or how did you manage the writing? Uh, this book... I, it was a really intense experience. I Once I started it, I sort of couldn't stop either writing or thinking about it all the time. I felt like I felt feverish with it. And the only way for me to get any peace was to figure out how I really could do justice to these characters in this story. So it really just completely consumed me in a way that my other books haven't. And I think part of that is because I wrote it during the pandemic. Um, so it wasn't a schedule. It was just like, I wrote unless I had to be parenting or being a wife or, you know, mm -hmm. had other responsibilities. And then I immediately went back to writing. So I wrote this in two years, which for me is very fast. Is it right that you started writing when you were only about 10? And I suppose, what was it that prompted you to take a pen in your hand and begin writing stories at such a young age? I was already a voracious reader. I used to go to the town library once a week with a a large duffel bag and fill it with books and bring it home and read them all and then go back a week later and fill it again. But when I was in fourth grade, when I was 10, we used to get vocabulary assignments in school. And this one week, the teacher gave us 10 words to put into sentences, but she said she wanted us to make the sentences connect. So it made like a little scene. And she had never said that before. Usually it was disconnected sentences. So I went home to do the assignment and I did it and I looked up the clock and I thought five minutes had passed and it, and 45 minutes had passed. And it completely blew my mind because as a child, it was the first time, first thing that outside of play that had made time disappear like that. And I just thought, oh, this is magic. Like, this is what I want to do. And I, I started writing a no what I quote unquote, a novel the next day of which I wrote, you know, probably about 11 pages total. And then, you know, the next year I started another novel, which I also wrote like 11 pages. And they both were set during a war because I had decided in my child brain that if you're going to write a serious novel, it had to be set during a war. Um, so really from there, I was both a reader and a writer. What's incredible, though, is it right, on that you weren't accepted into the advanced literature class in high school in America? And if so, why so? Why not? <laughs> Because I'm still mad about that. Um, if, I feel like, well, I mean, I, I do think it's a, uh, it's, it doesn't speak well of our educational system that the reason I didn't get into that class was because I was too shy and I didn't speak enough in class. So 
I wasn't an active enough verbal participant in class discussions because I was so shy. Um, but I was heartbroken that I couldn't get into that class and not because I wanted it on my academic resume, but because the teacher was really great. And because we were going to read all these amazing books that I wanted to read, in, you know, with a teacher. Um, so it was really devastating. But in a way, it all I was like, I felt the injustice of it. I was like, I should be allowed to be shy mm. and still read the books that I want to read at the level I want to read them. With. So it, in a way that being turned away like that, maybe sort of double down inside myself. And I'm like, I can do this by myself. I mean, I should be able to do it through school, but if I can't, then I'll do it on my own. And I know, is this right? You were quite sick for some time. Do you mind telling me a little about that? And also, I think you've said that being sick in a sense was almost a real blessing. Yeah, so I became sick right after my third year of of college, university. Um, with a virus called Epstein-Barr. And I was sick for the next three years and it took me an extra year to finish university. And I only had about two hours of energy a day. What it essentially did was it wipes out your immune system and I, I had terrible fatigue. So I had about two hours of energy a day. And so as a 20 year old, I had to look at my life and be like, what's important enough to me that I want to put in those two hours? And immediately my I knew it was writing like that was what fed me and that I enjoyed so much and made time disappear, et cetera. That and my boyfriend, because I was 20 <laughs> years old. So those are the two things that I prioritized. But it also made me realize at that point I was so shy and I didn't really believe in myself as a writer. So I thought I probably would go into publishing after university and have a safe job with uh, benefits and a salary. And then I would write on the side for myself. But when I got sick like that, I realized that life can change on a dime and that, you know, nothing is promised to you and that I really wanted to live my life, which meant doing the things that I wanted to do. And that's when I decided I would try full on to be a writer and that if I failed, at least it would be my failure. And I would forever long I got to live before I got sick again or whatever happened, um, it would be my life on my own terms. So it really did change my perspective to this day. For the better, actually. That's so interesting. And just for my listeners, there are many people who hope one day they'll have success and write a book. And success as a writer, Anne, it didn't come easily, did it to you? I mean, tell me about the first couple of novels you wrote. Yeah, no, it didn't come easily at all. I I wrote two novels in my 20s. The first one I couldn't get an agent for. I was rejected by 80 agents. And so I put that one in a drawer. And then I wrote another novel. And that one I got an agent for, but the agent was unable to sell it. So I had to put that one in a drawer too. And at that point, my father really wanted me to go to law school. Uh, My parents were very keen for me to figure out some other life path. I was working as a personal assistant to make a living, but it it wasn't a career per se. But I found that I started writing another book because it was the only thing that made me feel better. So I ended up writing my third book and that's the first one that sold. And so that sold in the beginning of my thirties. And then I had a second book, A Good Hard Look, that sold at the end of my thirties. And both of those books were well-reviewed, but very few people read them. So by the time I started writing Dear Edward in my forties, I thought, well, this probably won't get published because at that point I was what's called a mid-list writer, which basically means middle-aged and very low sales, which doesn't make you an attractive prospect to the publishing industry, understandably. Mm. 
And so I wrote Dear Edward thinking it probably won't sell. And the success of it was, you know, utterly shocking to me. And then, you know, I, I, I am just permanently surprised now <laughs> that I have written two novels that have been, you know, have found so many readers. I'm so, so grateful. But I really didn't have real success until I sold Dear Edward, which is when I was 46. Which is of great hope, I think, to many people listening. Dear Edward, it was phenomenal, phenomenal success. I know it's been adapted as a TV series by Apple+. Plus. Would you mind telling briefly for my listeners, remind me of the story of Dear Edward. Sure. Dear Edward is the story of a 12-year-old boy who is the sole survivor of a plane crash. Um, the flight is going from Newark Airport in New Jersey, uh, headed for Los Angeles. And he, Edward, is moving to Los Angeles with his brother and his parents. And when the plane crashes, he is the only, his seat is ejected and he is the only one who survives. And the alternating chapters of the book are, are the, the flight. So you get to know his family and the people on the flight. And then every other chapter is Edward after the crash and how he finds his way back to a completely different life as really a, a different person because of what he's lost and what he's been through, which I know sounds really sad, but the book is less sad, I promise, than it sounds. No, the book is superb. Are you happy with the Apple Plus adaptation, the TV adaptation? Yeah, it's very different than the book. Like there are characters in it that aren't in the book, but I knew that that was going to be the case. And I, I'm like, I'm just delighted that it made it to screen. And really, I was curious and interested to see what choices uh, Jason Kadams, who made it, who I have a great deal of respect for. So I just feel grateful and delighted. Well, it appears incredibly that Hello Beautiful, your new novel, could surpass the success of Dear Edward. For anyone listening, Anne, as we part today, who hasn't quite managed to get that book out, but has always wanted to write a book, what would you say to them? What, what advice would you give them? My advice is to commit to writing for five minutes a day, which I know sounds ridiculous, but anyone can write for five minutes a day. If you have a full-time job, if you have a baby, mm. a full-time job and a baby, um, you can do those five minutes. And once you write for five minutes, you put an X on your calendar and your only job is to string together as many X's in a row as you can. And if you write for at least five minutes a day, and obviously many days you would write for more than five minutes, you'll start to build yourself and the story that's inside of you and the life that you want to live. So that's my, that's my advice. That is great advice. Well, look, Hello Beautiful from you, Anne Napolitano, is published by Viking. It's available now. It's a superb read. Anne, thanks so much for chatting to me today. Congrats on all your success. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for chatting with me. I really appreciate it.